get up on this Sunday morning and do two things here. Get up on this Sunday afternoon. I did a little, I did a little additional quick study to go along with the remove lamp stand or candle stand um, lesson put out there. Take uh, just a little brief. I'm going to very brief with a lot of scriptures, but I'm just going to try and make a brief. Y'all know me. Sometimes I don't always turn up brief uh, to give some possible causes of why the Lord again had to remove his like, his candlestick from individuals. We mentioned uh, several people in the first video. Uh, examples were Samson. We know there was more if you actually do an in-depth study, but Sometimes we just don't need to do that one. Just a little basis to help us understand how holy the true God is and how he cannot and will never, ever tolerate sin. Now, in the New Testament, when we're in Christ Jesus, it doesn't mean we stop sinning because we still have the sin nature in the bodies, but and our nature is being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, but we still are in these temporary bodies until either the rapture occurs or we die, whichever comes first. So we're still going to stumble, we're still going to sin, but that's what the Holy Spirit convicts us at, knocks us upside the head, throws a brick at us, depending on what human terminology you have. Um, if you don't hear that conviction when you do wrong, don't think that uh, you're doing everything right, because that's impossible. We're human beings, we're going to sin, we're going to stumble. As if we're gonna stub our toes, so to speak, or bang ahead. I tell you, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get that temptation, and we're not always gonna choose the way of escape, which is Jesus Christ. Um, we're gonna mess up. So if you think, hey, why the Spirit never has to convict me because I do everything right, you are deceived, and more than likely, not yet born again believer. Because even a born-again believer, you're going to mess up. So having said that, with the formalities there, I'm not going to go over the whole thing. I tell you, we looked at Samson, King Saul, King David. Uh, and then, of course, we touched upon our key verse, which was Revelation 2, 4, and 5, which is that area of Scripture. That particular church was the church of Ephesus. So, and we'll throw some applications in what to do if we're at this point. You know, Samson, okay, we know, I gave the scriptures where God had removed his spirit from him, and he could no longer fight. He was called a God. His calling was around Judges 13.5. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to read out the scriptures. Um, he was sent by God for that particular time to deliver the people out of the hand of the Philistines. Judges, that's all it was. It was just for a little bit of time delivering you, but right after that every single one of those people were not raptured out of the way they they all physically died like you or I would do they were all human beings with the anointing of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on them but when they died the people went right back in sin so that shows that's evidence right there that we'll follow a pastor a preacher a minister but when they die we'll go back to just following ourselves Duh. But when we follow Jesus Christ, who was 100% God and 100% man for those 33 years, he will always be with us because he's always God and um, the Son of God and the Spirit is with us. It's like the three of them, the characteristics 
of God in us each and every day. When we stop listening to them and we listen to our flesh, guess what? We're going to mess up. But when we hear the Spirit of God, when we're truly born again, we're going to hear that prompting and it's going to be a willing one. We actually have more of accountability before God under the New Testament than we do under the Old Testament. The Old Testament, oh, yeah, follow a priest. Yeah, until they died. But, okay, too much. Dang, rabbit trails. I like bunnies. And then, of course, the guy that set up, he gave him an unbelieving wife, allowed him to have Philistines. His father and mother were against it because we are told to go into faith. However, God had already set it up that, okay, that's going to gain an opportunity to move against some of the Philistines. I'm not going to go for names and go do it, but her deception was... He posed a wizard to the people. If you can answer it, then I do it. Well, guess what? She tricked him. She deceived him. She used the missing word. Well, you don't really love me. You won't give me the answers. I didn't give the answer to my own parents. God gave him that riddle. That New Testament may call it. You may put it in relation to a parable. It's just like, but those that have wisdom that comes from God, we're going to understand it. What it means. But before he tricked it, he fell for it. Again, he listened to, that was her deceit, was in Judges 14, 15, 16, and 17, was her deceit, how he turned it around. Uh, and then also, in 2021, and, uh, in 16, 20, okay, I forgot to look at my notes. <sighs> His disobedience came in Judges I put the wrong verse. Yeah, 16, 19 through 21. Oh, there it is. I forgot it on two pages. So I put it on both sides of the same paper. So that one failed. What would the wife failed? Then he was given another lover. We know her more from teaching in Christianity as, as Delilah. You don't ever want a Delilah in your life. You don't want a Jezebel either. You need to have discernment. And those spirits, the spirit that then dwelled them was not the spirit of God. It was the spirit of Satan himself. Um, we need to have discerning spirit. We need to have Jesus Christ to tell us, God, I don't want a Delilah or I don't want to. Um, but they tricked him. Delilah did the same thing. Now, that wasn't his wife. That wasn't, I'll call it the term lover. Again, her lover did the same thing. Another opportunity to beat more um, more of the Philistines, to deliver more of them out. Proposed something, but he refused to tell Delilah. Again, he didn't even tell his parents, so why would he tell her? Um, in that particular case, knowing she was an unbeliever, she didn't fear God. Her deceit is listed clearly in Judges 16, 13, and 14. Now, her deceit again was also another deceit was Judges 16, 15 through 17. But his rebellion, she finally learned once he told her the truth. In other words, he told her. God didn't tell him to. He just did it. Was Judges 16 through 19 through 21. That was his rebellion. But verse 16, 20, so fear it all. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He can no longer fight. So he was beaten by those groups of Philistines. Eyes were put out about the Gaza. However, he repented. In verses 16, 28 through 31, 
that's the key right there. When we mess up, when we do something God did not tell us to do, we must repent and confess. When the Holy Spirit checks us, it should be instant. It's not always going to be instant. I'm not even going to answer. It should be instant. We should strive for it to be instant, but it's not always going to be instant. But once you repented, and you realize, okay, didn't ask God, we should my eyesight. Well, his, guess what? His eyes are gone. So, in verse number 30 of 16 in Judges, Samson said to God, God, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed all his might, and the temple fell in the Lord's. And all the people who were in it. So, the dead that he killed at the day was more than he killed in his life. Gee, that sounds like Jesus, don't you think? A little precursor. By Jesus' death, death, burial, suffering death on the cross, burial, and his resurrection, he brought victory over, over death, over sin. We just have to receive him at that point. We have to confess that we are sinners in need. And then, of course, they buried him back in the own country. And we're going to look at the next one. We're going to look at uh, King Samuel. His call is written in First Samuel 15, 1 through 3. I'm not going to go back and look at it. That was what he was told to do. He was adored by God. He was told the one charge that was his downfall. They were told to, who was that? The people of Amalek. Um, he was told exactly how to fight him. Who to destroy? Everybody, including the king. Don't take any of their plunder. Guess what he did? He's rebelled. He kept the king, Agag, alive. And he destroyed everybody else, but he didn't destroy him. But he spared Agag and the best of the sheep. In other words, he plundered him. He wasn't told to do that. One little thing. When God gives us details, gives us our instructions, he just don't say, well, okay, go ahead and use your best charge. No, no, no. He gives us explicit details of what he wants done. And we are commanded to do it. That was grace and mercy is still going to be there. But when we don't do it, we are in rebellion. And then, of course, his punishment. We know God removed his spirit and allowed a distressing spirit. That distressing spirit is Satan's spirit. To come I'm not going to rehash the last video. I'm gonna, I think I can link it through the YouTube. Um, in First Samuel 15, 17 through 35. Now I'm not going to read it out. And then again, his rebellion again was going into First Samuel 16, 1 through, 1 through 13, 14 and 15. Basically, the Spirit of God had a part of himself in a distressing spirit. Even the people recognized it. The distressing spirit from, from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said, you have a distressing spirit troubling you. No repentance at all happened. It's kind of punishment. First Samuel 28, 5, 6, and 7. I think it's going to go beyond. Yep, there it goes through 18. Where it's just like, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath from Amalek, Therefore, the Lord has done such a thing to you. And we know Samuel and all his family um, died. I think uh, Jonathan's son was the only one who was left. And David took care of him until the time of his death. The next one, of course, we know we spoke about in the first video was David and his, with Bathsheba and her husband. 
and plus a whole bunch of them in Second Samuel 11, 1 through, how was this saying, 1 through 20, uh, 27. Go back and read it. Again, it was not just adultery, fornication, murder, pride. It was a little bit of everything out there. It was just like he said, he had more than he had more than one sin. So some people would just focus on this, the fornication with um, his discipline when God said to send Nathan, because at that point David was no longer here. Um, in Second Samuel 12, one through. 1 through 12 and he gave him as a parable and David already basically chose a bunch and said well, that man ought to be killed David said to him you're that man <laughs> and then of course his repentance came in Second Samuel 12 13 through 14 <laughs> said to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord and then the Lord has put now unfortunately that baby had to be taken home uh, it came about a fornication God just took it. Some people say that's kind of cruel. There's always going to be consequences. There's always going to be losses to everyone. Every one of our rebellions against God. You know the severity of it. That's our God that chooses it. We don't choose it. Uh, oops, through 12, 15, through those three verses there. But David got up and he no longer mourned. He mourned while he was alive, hoping God would keep him alive. But of course, we all know. God gave him another son, which was Solomon, which is descendant. So that's his repentance. If you want to read more of his repentance, it's in Psalm 51. And then, of course, now we're going to look at the Pharisees in the New Testament a little bit. So we're just going to go right into the punishment. We know there's religious pride, um, spiritual pride. Leader was saying, Lord, Moses charged us with the other. We're following Moses. If they were following Moses, they would have been following God. They were already in rebellion. Matthew 21, again, I'm not going to reiterate it because it's in the first video. Matthew 21, 41 through 44. I said he would destroy this wicked man miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits of their season. Basically, he's taking it from the Jews for a season. Um, and he was giving it to those Jews, I mean, and he was giving it to um, others, more likely the Gentiles during the age of generation in this context of it. Um, and then Jesus said to them in verse 42, Have you not, never read the scripture the stone which the builders rejected had become the chief cornerstone? Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That's one of his names and characteristics. This was the Lord's doing. And it was marvelous in our eyes. And it says, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and be, and be given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Whose nation? Our nation. Um, along with that one, this punishment is Mark 12, 9, back that up, as well as Luke 20, 16. Of course, remember our key verse now, Ephesus, and we're going to end with that one, verses 2 through 4. I mean, 2, 4, da, 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 through 2 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Our first love should always be Jesus Christ. Not our wife, not our husband, not our children, not our job, not our parents, not our siblings, not even our church. Particular churches that we, uh, well, hopefully not choose. Hopefully it's bound for the Holy Spirit. Um, should be that. Should none of that, not, not even the body of Christ. The rest of the body of Christ, our first love should always and better be always Jesus Christ. The 
first one we go to, not our medical professionals, not whatever, whatever you want to put in there, not our things, which are going to burn up. And Acts is mentioned in the following verses. Again, I'm not going to read about Acts chapter 19, 1 through 5, touched upon it basically. One of the areas that, or some of the areas that they may have gone astray. Okay, wonder, what did the Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, churches of Ephesus, more likely they were in more than one building. That was a large city back then. I'm sure they all didn't meet in one building, one temple. Jews did. They probably go there if the ones that were Jews still went to the temple until it was destroyed around 70 AD. I don't get caught up in dates because God doesn't mention a lot of dates in there. That's human scholars that want to do that. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong per se, but they put too much emphasis on that instead of what God is trying to teach us for one of the things that they may that may have gotten in the way, perhaps they were looking at um, John's baptism being the primary baptism instead of, instead of the baptism. Instead of here it is, what were you baptized when you believed? It was just like into into what were you baptized? And they said John's baptism. John's baptism was secondary to the baptism of Jesus Christ. People, scholars don't want to talk about that because it hurts their narrative. Um, there's another video that's out there related that I'm not going to attach it. It's out on YouTube. And then Paul says in verse number four, that could have been that one. They could have been talking, holding on to the traditions of man, meaning mankind, uh, with men first and then women, uh, right along with them equally. Uh, could have been that one. The Bible doesn't really say what they grasped on. It could have been the traditions of man says the warning is out there in Colossians. Who knows? Again, it doesn't say. It was Acts 19 28. It could have been they were getting mad at because uh, Paul was speaking against idols. Their great idol in the church of Ephesus was uh, the great Diana of Ephesus. They, they cried out, verses 9, Acts 19, 34, and 35. They cried out for about two hours. Nine, great is Diana. The answer is no, great is the Lord Jesus Christ. The city of Ephesus in verse number 13, 1935. Uh, no, not the year 1935, verse 1935. city of Ephesus is a temple guardian of the great goddess Diana. When the image fell down from Zeus. No, see, that's Greek mythology, are they? Because that's what Zeus is, is Greek mythology, basically. Uh, Greek religion. Remember, the Greek one, the Greek part of the statue of Greece was just prior to Rome. That was between the Persian, Medo-Persian Empire and the um, Roman Empire. And I didn't even finish a Greek study, I'll tell you. These other things are more critical when the Holy Spirit prompted me to go look at it and took me and led me this way could have been that one that could not have been cast her down we're going to get the application later a key verse as far as repentance testifying the Jews and also to the Greeks to everybody repentance is everybody not just Jews not just Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ period that's key that's the repentance that's the key to keeping the, Jesus Christ as our first love Acts 20, 25 th through 
38 were the last portions that other than the the letter itself to the church in Ephesus which has got six chapters in it that's where the descriptions are so if we go through those we can go through and just possibly pick out what caused them to weigh but Paul warned them that was Paul the saying goodbye he, Paul covered in no man's silver or gold or apparel that could have been covering others gold and silver we don't know what took their place in an individual's heart and it wasn't all of them uh, they did have some good qualities but God threatened to remove his lampstand which was the key we want to apply it to our churches today in America could God have God removed his his lampstand, his candlestand, uh, candlestick from churches? Yes, absolutely. I believe we may have uh, run across churches like that that no longer have the spirit of God in it, no more conviction, just about what's going on. And when it's empty, as the last video showed, when God, the Godhead, God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit removes the light from it. Um, it's open free, as it showed in the verse from last time um, in Matthew. So I think it's in Matthew and Luke, actually, but I think the verse that was kind of to was in Matthew, where it says, the Spirit, once he was cast out, the evil Spirit, once he was cast out, says, I'm going to return to my home and see what it looks like. It was empty, but it was clean and put in order. The only one that puts our spirit in order, our souls in order, is Jesus Christ. By his shed blood, but to find it empty, why didn't Jesus come in and dwell there? Scholars differed, everybody differed out there, but basically he was either in there or he removed his lampstand, one or the other. Oh, he never entered, but if you're going to believe, legitimately be born again, and believe in Jesus Christ, something wrong. Because as soon as we are born again, the Spirit comes in here. So what caused him to remove that lampstand? And remember the result on that one. I think some areas that are critical. This is nowhere near going to meet them all. I'm not going to pick on one just on another. This is just the key ones that too many American church, and I'm saying American church, I'm saying people, not pertain buildings. Buildings is one of our biggest problems. We think, oh, we have to go into separate designated buildings. Remember, those buildings still have to be approved somewhere by local municipalities to be recognized as uh, as a house of worship. And we get, there's many houses of worships out there, not all Christians, because there's many, we are a nation, there are many religions in here. So the building, I didn't have that down in this, and nope, that just hit me upside the head. Idolatry, which is the buildings itself. Materialism. When we come to Jesus Christ, we're laying our will down. Still have the will, we willingly lay down as Jesus laid his his will down for the Father's will. We will, when we're truly born again, we go to the cross and we, now we don't die physically, God, he did. We die spiritually to ourselves and we are resurrected with him. Now, we don't nowhere near look like he does. Uh, we're not going to be Jesus. We're going to be transformed into his image. Uh, some verses that will back up idolatry. What's your idolatry? This is your job. Is it your material possessions? Could it be your family? Could it be yourself? Could it be your career? Yep, I'm getting convicted all along. Verses that kind of back this up, and they're not even close to being all of them. These are all just the New Testament ones. 
is Colossians 3 5, Galatians 5 20, and 1 Corinthians 10 14. Those are the key ones. Adultery, some of you go like these answers, starting back in Exodus 20 14. That was the Ten Commandments. Matthew 5 28. Some of you go like some of those answers out there, but you're not arguing with me, brother or sister. You're arguing with Jesus Christ. You're going to lose that battle. Luke 16, 18. Greediness. I'm just leaving one verse on that one. 1 Timothy 6, 10. But there are, again, there are others. And when we basically get on how to summarize this one, 1 John 3, 17. You know, we put in, we, we put self-care over unity of the body. You know, we see. You know, that's just one that's not even being practiced much anymore, except for the sin in James Wood says we're showing partiality. We're only helping out certain people. We only help those that help ourselves. By the way, that's a uh, that's become a Christian saying, but it's not a biblical saying. It's nowhere in the Bible. God doesn't just God doesn't help those that help themselves. That's our problem. We can't help ourselves. So. In a nutshell, so if any of you, if you are being warned at all through this by the Holy Spirit, if you are being convicted, it's as simple as that. We're told in First John, again in First John, that we have an advocate. The advocate is not our pastor, not our priest, not our brothers and sisters, not our mommy and daddy, not our overpaid counselors. Our advocate is Jesus Christ himself. So when we get convicted by the Holy Spirit, we just stop what we're doing. Stop. Take the brick in the head. Brick in the brick. Okay, that's an internal one for me and another brother that knows where that context came from. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It's a conviction thing, basically. Um, when we get convicted, it's simple as that. We just confess and repent. We stop doing it. We tell the Lord, Lord, take this out of me. Sign. And then he'll show us what our consequences, if any. His mercy may be, his mercy is always so great. He may not, there may not be hardly any consequences. Or our consequences may be grand, but we are not alone in going through those consequences. If you are not, I'm gonna, I haven't put the gospel on the end of this. Some people confuse the gospel. They think it's works. They think it's that. They think it's that. I'm going to read exactly what the gospel is. Okay, I ain't found it yet. It's over in 1 Corinthians 15. We confuse it. We do. 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. For I delivered. That I, in this case, is Paul, because he's the one that inspired by the Holy Spirit to put it down. I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again in the third day according to the scriptures. Period. And then it shows that that how he was seen by individuals. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you need to confess, and that complete our first works. That one verse, I do wish to add this at the end of it, uh, where the church of Ephesus was told to the repent and remember your first works. I think that first works, I believe, seems to be just that. Acts twenty twenty one, testifying to Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God. And faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's like we're putting Jesus Christ first. 
you know, death through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit first. We're putting them first over everything, including your spouse, including your home, including your job, including your family, including the eternal family, as well as the fleshly family. So I hope you were encouraged by this. I do hope somebody was convicted by it because that means death through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, is still working in you. Which he is still working if you are a believer. If you're not a believer, just believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe his work, not our work. So, love y'all.